Saying low, Apple Music. I'm off a tab of that synthetic sundown 45 minutes till that setting. That's a lyric that got my attention for the artist Jack Harlow. To be fair, uh, it was our kid who said to me, you gotta check this guy out. Like, just listen to the music. And then I dug around and got into it and realized he was rolling with Generation Now, who uh, esteemed at this point. I mean, their taste is, is just impeccable. And the whole thing has just been rolling out effortlessly ever since. Now, Hand on heart, if you knew who Jack Harlow was three years ago, could you have seen where he stands today with his brand new album, Come Home, The Kids Miss You? He's a preeminent rap superstar and somebody who's as at home at the Met Gala as he is on stage at festivals. Well, some of us will say yes, but I don't really know if we're telling ourselves the entire truth there. Because if we were, then we would have assumed he was going to make the life changes to get there. And how could we have known that he was going to quit drinking and just work around the clock on his craft to get to the point where he's putting out smashes like Nail Tech and First Class and the album starts to finish really strong. So myself and Jack Harlow catch ourselves in conversation on this episode of the interview series. And even though it seems like the story is relatively shallow, there is depth and there is history and there is touring in a van and there is hard work and there is real focus at play here. So if Jack Harlow is of interest to you or even curiosity, this is the one. Enjoy it. Thanks for checking it out. Jack Harlow's first class takes flight and style, debuting at number one on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs number chart. Wheezy. See what happens when he's killing time, scrolling through Apple News, waiting to talk to you. I find you. That's what I love to hear. Soars in with the biggest streaming week tallied this year. How's it taste? Not the water. <laughs> the victory. <laughs> it's sweet, sweet, sweet. It's sweet, man. There's a great line when you've, in one of your lines and you're like, I hate it when people say that it happened overnight. Like they didn't know we did a tour in a van. We didn't put the work in. Mm. And it's funny, isn't it? Success, it always does that. No matter how much effort you put in, when people discover you for the first time at that level, no one really looks that much deeper. How was it those early days? How raw was it? Like, how raw did it get? It got, I mean, it got raw. Very humbling. I had my career at very humble beginnings. Yeah. That's why anytime I see my name associated with anything like industry plant, like, it makes me so proud to really be able to say that. You know. I'm like, out of everyone in the game right now, like, mm. one of the furthest from mm. it. Mm. Like, I, I, I didn't skip any steps, bro. Like, I did steps none of these kids did. Like, yeah, I talk about it on records, but I did open mics. I did South by Southwest. I did A3C. I did showcases mm -hmm. with no one there. Mm -hmm. I, my first tour, I went to Madison, Wisconsin, did a bar with eight people in it. Like, I felt those feelings of not being the guy Desperation. At all. Desperation, yeah. yeah. Bravado on record, but then going there, I'm finding out I'm not the guy. Like, <laughs> I felt all, I did this. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's like you said, once it starts to, once you're there and it's bubble, and if people didn't see any of that, they're like, where'd he come from? Wow, yeah. he just got dropped in his lap, but. Well, success has many parents, man. Um, yeah. You asked a question of Future in his recent GQ piece, which was great. Mm. What do you do when you have those moments of doubt and how do you overcome them? And his answer was really honest. He was like, man, I feel that way every day. Same for you? Yeah. Yeah, I, I was refreshed by his answer too. I, was, I watched that right before I got here. Mm. I was wondering what he was going to say that. Thing is with Future is he only really wants to answer questions that relate to him. He doesn't fill gaps. He doesn't fill space. He's not interested in it. He'll just sit there and go, cheesecake, sensational. He has no interest in like, you know, playing around. Mm. And, you know, you, you got him with that question, I think, because you spoke to something a lot of people don't speak to within the artist, artist community, especially when you're successful, is that vulnerability. Is that idea of what happens during those moments when, no matter how much people write about you or tell you you're great. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what I want to know is, when is it not working? Because we all, we all display when it is. It's one of the things I had to ask Drake immediately. I'm like, you know, his pen is so prolific. I had to ask him, like, is it ever not coming to you? Do you get rise bar? Yeah, does what it, do you say? is it ever not coming to you? What it's do you between say? us. <laughs> but, you're going to get one pass on that. I have three more Drake questions yeah. later on. we got to get ready yeah, for, but for a swim. The point is, any of my idols, anyone that I look up to, mm -hmm, it just mm -hmm. seems like they're just on this undefeated stretch. Like You're just curious, Like, is it ever not working for you? Do you ever feel how, us, how we feel? And It seems like everybody does. But. Does it happen to you? Absolutely. So what does writer's block feel like to you? How do you best describe it? Because it's been described many ways. 
Writer's block for me is like, it's like I can feel, I can feel that I'm just writing about nothing. It's usually when I get lost in just rhyming. It's like, oh, this is a fun rhyme scheme. That's when I know I'm blocked, is when I just find a crazy rhyme scheme and just hop in and out of that, and there's no cohesion to any of the content. It's so that's just, practice. Yeah, which there's an art to that. It's yeah. fun. That's part of rap, too. Yeah. But I'm just in a space where I'm most inspired by content, like discussion, conversation. And it doesn't even have to be the most deep shit. It just needs to be truthful. There's something magical that's, that's beyond the science or the math of it that when it's coming... Get out of the way. It's insane. I, every time. You go, you go a week and you're like, man, an amazing one just ain't came to me. And then suddenly an amazing one comes to you and you don't put no effort into it. It's falling out of your mouth. It's bizarre. Mm -hmm. To me, even to this day, you do different things to get in your space and you start to learn. It's like before a game, you start to learn the stretches. You start to learn, okay, this is how I get my the, the music you want to listen to before yeah. you hit the court. Yeah. But there's still no explanation for ball players when they can't miss. Yeah. There's no explanation. No, really. I think that's I think that's the closest thing to magic, real magic. Yeah, it's it's incredible. You it's know, the best feeling in the world, and you feel so fulfilled, and you feel so. Yeah, I was right. I am who I think I am. <laughs> so who are you, man? This is a genuine question, because this is going to be great. I'm so I've been so looking forward to this moment, have this time to talk to you, and I don't often ask a question as upfront as that, but I like the way that you have presented your best, and protected the rest. You have a self-awareness about you, which is rare for people that are successful. Normally that comes much later. Hmm. So who are you, man? What are the simple traits you think that make you you? It's a great question. I've been asked that in interviews before. Not, not the simple traits. That's, that's the nice addition you added. But the, who is Jack Harlow? Hmm. One time I saw somebody ask Erica about do that, and she was like, they were, they were like, Erica, how would you describe yourself? And she was like, I wouldn't. <laughs> and I was like, that's fly. That's so a good answer. I just, that, I just stuck with because it's like, I don't want to describe myself. Yeah. Um, but the simple traits, um, I like to think I just have some soul I inherited from my family. My parents, just soulful people. You know, there's a lot of details of like, oh, he's this, he's that. But like, I just feel like I'm truthful. And I feel like if you're truthful and you got love in your heart, it's just powerful. Yeah, really, I agree. That's the chemistry. You speak openly about your family, and on this album, your grandfather comes up several times. You refer to lessons in life you've learned along the way. Yeah. It's, it's clear that you didn't do this to run, really, from anything. In fact, if anything, you keep looking for ways to get back. Yeah. I always tell people, like, I feel like a lot of adulthood is trying to get back to childhood for everybody. Obviously, there's traumas that everyone suffers throughout their childhood, but for the most part, there's just so much nostalgia and there's so much, oh, I can't get that back. That like, I mean, that's why you hear the samples. That's why you hear the grooves. Like Everything is trying to get back to, oh, how did I feel when I was 11? That feeling. That feeling. I feel like we spend our entire adulthood trying to get back to our childhood. What's a feeling that you refer to or comes to you even when you least expect it that reminds you of your childhood. I mean, I, I could immediately drag three or four from my brain, you know, like boxcar racing down the road or with my brother, you know, that just sticks and you just go, oh man, that's how it felt to not worry about anything. When did you worry the least? I grew up in a city, like the biggest city in Kentucky, Louisville, but I spent a few of my formative years, like age three to six or seven, like I spent this little pocket of time living in Shelbyville, Kentucky, right outside of Louisville. Very rural. We lived on four acres. My mom had two horses, and we we're in the middle of nowhere, essentially. I mean, there was hundreds of yards between each each crib. We we're in the country of Kentucky, and um, my parents didn't let me play any video games. I was reading. That's what made me the writer I am now. Mm. Is I was only allowed to read mm. and play outside. How old were you? Like from age three to six. Wow. And so I was outside every day. I was in. We had a barn. Like I was. I was experiencing something very pure and human that um, I want to get back to somehow. But that's one example for me, for sure. Well, you're a long way from there now, man. And I say all that to say that you're, you're being true to, to, to your word today on record, the way you refer to home and this desire to make the people that not just know you best, but knew you first yeah. proud. Something about that, huh? Like when you leave home, 
sometimes they're the ones that you want to impress the most. Yeah, I mean, that's, you nailed it, really. That's the theme of the project for me is being from a place like Louisville, you get an opportunity to come back and you have this magic in your hands, like, look what's going on out there. I brought back a piece for you, like, mm. check this out. Mm. Like, look what I'm experiencing. I know you see it on the internet, but you want to see it up close? Like, <laughs> this, is, this, is really what it's, this is what it's like. And so almost every song on this album, you can find me threading it back to the relationship of what I'm experiencing and the context that that exists with Louisville. Yeah. Of like, because that's where that's where everything is grounded. Is that's where my reflection comes from. Is I, you know I take these experiences where I'm flying through the Hollywood Hills, or I'm on a private jet to Miami. Really, what makes that interesting is when I compound that with, yeah, but I'm from Louisville, Kentucky, and I have to go back. Yeah. That's not the foundation. Yeah. Like um, the independent variable is Louisville, and those are just little experiences we add. But I'm I'm Louisville. You know what I'm saying? These are just just little things we drop into the bowl that just add it. So those experiences, like, yeah, you nailed it, man. It's all about what it's like to go home after experience. I, I go through these things. I, I go through months. I, I experience stuff. No one from my city is getting to experience, and I take that home and I tell you about it. You it's know, beautiful, man. Yeah. The title says it all. I mean, that there's so much kind of emotion wrapped up in the title because it's the kind of thing that parents say to other parents like I know you're out there hunting and gathering and making money and being successful and you're going to share it with us but just come home the kids miss you <laughs> it's a motive man it's an emotive yeah. title yeah I was seeing it on the you know they were commenting it on my shit, that phrase wow my fans were commenting it under my pictures tongue-in-cheek a little bit you know what I'm saying and I was like, just sitting with it and I just was laying in bed one night by myself and I just was didn't have a title. I just said it, and I was like, it's, so it's, but it was a well. You said a motive. I felt something when I said it. I was like, I mean something more than just success. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, it's it's just it's heavy. I feel like it's going to age really well. We're going to get to the album in a hot minute. We're going to talk a little bit about the previous album. I'm going to go back to 18 with one question: You sitting down, hunched over like a teenager, no sense of posture, no real sense of confidence. Mm. Wearing nothing but shorts. Yeah. The rest of you completely bare and open for everyone to see. Why? Why'd you do that? I mean, it's such a bold statement. Most people are trying to hide that shit. And you were just like, nah, I'm gonna let it hang out on my first proper thing. I don't know. I'm trying to get back into the headspace I was in. I've changed so much since then in ways I'm proud of, but I have changed a lot. It was such a bare statement to me. But the, you know what was crazy is the verses matched that. It was very like naive, like bold, like in your face, like I'm just gonna come out and say it. Like that's really how I was writing as a teen is like, they gonna have to feel this. Because you said no real sense of confidence and there was some truth to that, but there was also a blind confidence that yeah, was just yeah, like, yeah. I hadn't grown into myself all the way, but I had no awareness of that. But the music, I'm saying the music had confidence, but you just chose this image which just, like showed the awkwardness of just being that age and trying to fit in and you weren't like, I already fit. You were like, and in a way it's kind of poetic because as a first image that most people saw outside of those really early mixtapes that the internet somehow got their hands on, that image of you just sitting there looking like that, it's like, well, I guess if I'm going to change, I may as well show you myself in my rawest form. There was something in that moment that, you know, Part of me is also I wanted something that jumped out at people, but there had to be some, I've always had enough depth at any point in my life to say, there's something beautiful here. So there's something in it I saw. When you started to taste success, you know, that's what they all say. It's so funny, because I remember you FaceTime, drama FaceTime videoed me from a tour bus. Remember I was with my kids. Yes. And you guys were going to a, to a show. This was pre-lifestyle shift. Yes. And you guys were having a good time. It was so, a his show, yeah. Yeah, and so we, were, we had a brief interaction for the first time, and I could just tell that something was happening. I think everyone felt like something was happening. When did it land for you? When did you go, oh, this is what fame is. This is what success is. I feel like I keep getting reacquainted to it, obviously. Yeah, it goes up and up and yeah, up. Yeah, but when it goes up, when there's that substantial jump, it, every time it feels like, oh, this is really what, <laughs> this is what they, they're all going through. But it just depends on a level because the stuff that was happening before now doesn't feel like fame in comparison, but it obviously is. I'd say last summer, I'd say summer of, I think summer of 21, 
is when I, if I went outside, it's, it was getting stopped. I was getting stopped. And now it's like just. Well, now you're the cover of Rolling Stone, and that's a huge, that's a, that's a milestone that, you know, you're on newsstands, dude. And I, and I know that seems like a strange thing because most kids go, what's a newsstand? But it matters. That cover matters. Things like that matter. When you get that that point where, where people just pass by and see your face. No, not like a destination. Yeah. I'm a music fan, so I'm going to know who Jack Harlow is. Oh, really? Well, I'm a lawyer. Who's that guy? Oh, he's standing right there in the line at in and out That's that yeah. guy. Yeah. That's when it gets crazy. Yeah, no, it's crazy. The, the magazine cover is a great example because it's just like that's existed my whole life as a, a perfect symbol of like... Here we go. i got to go for it. Like you're there. My homeboy, we're, we're in here. My boy Nemo, he told me the other day, he said he was in the airport and they had the Rolling Stones and it was like the February issue was stacked up. April issue was stacked up. But the March issue was missing. <laughs> he was like, Brody, all your issues were sold out. And I was in an interesting state of mind and I burst into tears. I was like, what? And then we were sitting there. And there's this like crazy moment where we all like talk. I don't, I don't cry easily. And so I was like, damn, like, we're here, bro. Like, and we all, like, took a moment, which we don't take a lot of, to be like, this is what we wanted. Like, we're in that spot. There's more spots to get, but, like, red hot, like, hard to get, sought after spot. Like, red, yeah. And then he had dipped out of the room. He came back. He's like, oh, your publicist just called me. They actually haven't printed yours yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> I wipe the tears <laughs> If that's not life in a nutshell, yeah. I don't know what it is. Yeah, so I started justifying it. I'm like, well, we needed to take that moment, you know? Like, we needed to take that anyway. Yeah, that's I, life, dude. That's life, He was like, we actually, yeah, they ain't been printed yet. <laughs> it reminds me of that moment when Kanye is just like, you see that? I'm number one on the polls. I'm number one on the polls. And it was like, it was a fake poll they put out there to try and test it. He wasn't, he was nowhere near number yeah. one on the polls. You can just tell the person has been like, justified it in their mind. They're like, yeah. Yeah, 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 that's yeah, right, we yeah. did it, we're yeah, doing it. Yeah. This is like, nah, yeah. they're just testing the tech. Um, so it was a nice burst and then, all right, let's back down to earth. But it, we needed the moment. I'm glad that it forced you to take the moment, man. I don't, know, I don't know how you would have had the time to do it otherwise because you went straight from 2021, well, not even, you were already making this record we're about to dive into. One last stop, stop on the road there, a really important one that... Um, I mean, we all knew what's popping was happening and the songs that followed it and the success and the videos and whatnot, quarantine and everything else, but Industry Baby felt like such a deft touch. It was such a beautiful collaboration because it was meaningful. It obviously meant something to the two of you. The chemistry is very real. Yeah. Um, you know how I feel about Nas X. I love him, have done from day one. Rick and he, he represents so much more. Music's amazing. I, I wondered kind of when you decide to collaborate with him beyond the personal, yeah, of course I like him. I like what he, I like what he makes. Was there a part of it that just you liked the fact that it meant something more than just words and melody and relationships to yeah, people? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I felt like as I was recording the verse, I felt like in 10 years, I'm going to be very proud of this. Yeah, yeah. I feel like, you know, my grandkids are going to see this, and once they understand the context of everything, they're going to be like, wow, my grandpa did the right thing. Like, it's tough. So, yeah, I definitely was like, this is fly. This is, this is, this is progression. You know, that's one thing, I, I, you know, I'm, the success I'm having and like people are coming around and, you know, the music's working. But one thing I'm really looking forward to next is like, I know I have to make contributions. Yeah, to give back. That and do new shit, push the shit forward. Like, I've done some things, I'm having some success, but I haven't fully added my branch to the tree of hip hop yet. I haven't, I haven't brought my branch where people can point at Jack Harlan and say, Here's what he added that no one was giving us before. Mm. And I fully plan on doing that. And I'm not saying that's what that was, but that decision to me felt like one of those steps of like, not everybody would take that step, but it made total sense to me. The song was good. He's amazing. Like, So I, I loved making the decision. It felt really good. All right, it's time to grow that branch, this album, right? Come home, the kids miss you. What did you not want to do? What did you want to leave behind? from the last album or the success that you had, uh, what, when you started this project with you and your close group yeah. of collaborators, what did you realize, like, being there, done that, they ain't, coming, they ain't coming with me on the bus? No beats out of packs. You know, no finished 
glossy fruity loops here you go ready to go yeah. rap over the mp3 and, yeah. and bounce it and we're good to go packs yeah and i was already moving away from that on that's what they all say but there's a few records on there that just got done and that's not necessarily a law if, if an amazing beat comes it comes but for the most part we're building we're building from scratch an and, experience and I'm, and I'm touching everything i mean i'm i'm helping produce this we have some amazing producers on this album angel lopez and roger shahider steering this but at the same time, I'm right there with them. Hey, these are the drum sounds I want. Ooh, that, that chord, that, that, that's it, that's it. You know what I'm saying? So my taste level just went up, but what I care about went up, but I'm sure it'll go up again. You know, sometimes I think, one day am I gonna be mixing and mastering my music? I'm not gonna say it's for sure. I'm not gonna say it won't happen. It's just, I could see myself getting to a place where I'm like, I know what I want so much that I'm gonna have to do. I could see myself really sitting down and pressing the keys eventually, so. Um, there's just stuff I'm, your ear gets tuned. I care about stuff I didn't care about. It's, and you see what doesn't work. You go to the shows and you see, oh, if I had just done it like this, this would translate to this room of thousands of people so much better. So you learn. Yeah, I, that's one of the things that really resonates on this record. I think everybody who listens to it is gonna, is gonna feel that. The ambition and the commitment you're making to, to the craft of it rather than just get the hits out, get the songs out, get the results, tour it, make the money, move up. They got to, man, they, yeah. gotta, they gotta feel it, they got to. Like, if they say it ain't that, it's just, because we, we put so much love into this, like, so much love. Like. Right out the gate as well. I mean, Talk of the Town, I mean, uh, as, as opening songs go, it, it grabs your attention immediately. And I like the way that you have this habit of starting these things with these statements that don't necessarily fit into a conventional song structure. It's like, no, 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 let me just lay it out for you so you understand. Um, tell us the story about making that one, because it's an impactful album opener. Thanks. Yeah, it's like you said, it's, I wanted an opening statement. I think the intro in this day and age is so crucial because people get up, out, leave your album if you know you don't Next. like it. But you know, one of the biggest things for me is like digestibility. Like I want people to be able to digest stuff first listen and it doesn't mean it isn't complex, but like the album cover really is a good reflection of how we made the music is like, clean statements you know what i'm saying here's what it is so talk of the no town distractions to me, as well yeah, yeah the album cover looks like talk of the town to me like mm. that when i hear talk of the town like i see that album cover like it's just what it is so i just liked how simplistic it was um who are you talking to on that song talking it's crazy because i'm address i'm talking about my city but i'm really addressing the world like because it's just so everyone's from a town and um i love like reaching this place and still saying, yeah, it's dope that, you know, I, I can go to Delilah's or I can go here and there, but really, where I'm from, I got that. I got that on lock. You can't come there and feel how I feel there. You know what I'm saying? That's my, and if, and if for some reason, Miami, LA, New York, Paris all shut down, I can go home. You can go home. I can go home and we have a, a foundation and we can change things. We can help people. Like we have, a, we wield a lot of influence. So yeah. I just wanted to put that on the forefront as like, not everybody has that, and it's such a beautiful thing. Like, there's big artists that aren't the talk of their town. Yeah, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. we're the talk of, like, we, we wield influence, and that's a huge responsibility and blessing. And I just wanted to say, like, this is hard to come by. And not everybody's from a city like mine. Like, so fast forwarding to I Got a Shot, you make a really bold observation. I'm from the city where they might put one in your temple. It's really yeah. that simple. Yeah. 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 So that's a, that's a very raw reflection of the more hectic side of where you come from. Yes. Um, so what is it like? What's home like? The good and the bad, the up and the down? Yeah. Well, it's like you said, there's a lot of sides to it and there's a lot of ways to experience it. But, you know, one thing that made me so excited about when G came on is I felt like he was telling stories that I couldn't tell, ESTG. Mm. And for me, that, that line is a nod to, you know, I'm never going to be able to sit down and tell the street tales of what goes on in Louisville, mm. but it's a nod to, hey, we all know that exists. I know that exists. You know what I'm saying? And that, that might not be the lyric that, Everybody's like, yes, finally some representation for what's going on in the streets. But sometimes I think it's just important that you tip your hat to like, the experience of where you're from is bigger than just yours. And when you go home, having left, gone to Delilah, driven up the hills, private jet to Miami and all yeah. the reference points we had in this conversation, what is home to you? And does it change or does it remain the same in all the right ways? Yeah, it actively changes, but you know, it's still, it's love, it's love. It's, going out to eat and feeling the people like I went in December for um, 
my No Place Like Home shows. I did five shows in Louisville at five different venues. So we took over the city for a week. We did a dive bar. and We did our biggest venue. Like, we just jumped between them. And uh, I took that time to walk down the street. In a way, I wouldn't walk down the street out here. You know what I'm saying? We, we, we just walked around. We wanted to feel that. Because that's what I grew up doing is walking around that city. Damn it, don't we all? I mean, we haven't got any money to drive a car or do any of that stuff, dude. That's one of some of the most formative shit you can do is just breathe the air of your own environment so, yeah. listening to music and dreaming it up. When you were on that stage, though, in those dive bars and those places, did you see familiar faces from Yeah, home? especially the dive bar one because it, um, yeah. it was invite only. So yeah. there's a lot of loved ones. But in general, yeah, I was looking at all the shows. I was looking out in the crowd. I was like, ah. It's my boy from gym class, 11th grade, you know what I'm saying? Like, so crazy, it's like you went back to a class reunion. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's crazy. You know how we started out the show, the first show of the tour, I had my um, old principal come out with a, a podium he had on his graduation gown. What? We had a, a kabuki, a curtain, and he just started calling out names of my best friends I went to school with, and they walked out in graduation gowns and took diplomas from them one by one, and everybody's just kind of, it looks like a, literally a graduation ceremony. I they love that. They had on my high school colors, everything. And then he called my name. And they had cheering. Like, I don't walk out. He called my name. And then the curtain drops. And that's, the show starts. That's so awesome. Yeah, it was really sick. It was really sick. It's interesting the guests you have on this record, man. You know, you really went for artists that I would think are kind of at the round table. Like at the real round table. The greats. They've each got a seat and have had a seat for well over a decade. Yeah. So in some cases, more than 20 years. Was that deliberate that you chose these kind of artists to kind of show up on this record? I think so. We feel like we belong um, in the elite talks. We feel like, you know, the process we're doing, the effort we're putting in is the type of effort that those roundtable guys you're talking about put into their music. We feel like um, we're just strong believers in my trajectory and I think just how you align yourself just says a lot, but it, it happened organically, to be honest. What was your first interaction with Snoop? I mean, because Snoop, when Snoop shows up on records, he, you know, he's undeniably Snoop, one of the most characteristic human beings on the planet. But I feel like he brought his Snoopadelic to your album. He gave you that real funkadelic, Snoopadelic type endorsement. He's just so iconic. Like, it's just there's these like unbelievable human beings. Like, I feel like how they must have looked at Mozart or Beethoven, like. Snoop, like we're living amongst Snoop Dogg, like <laughs> just one of the most natural, cool people. Of just like, it's crazy you were born, bro. Like that's what I think about. It. It's like, I always think it's like crazy. It's crazy you exist. Yeah. He did that in one take. Like yeah. I, I, he was like, so what you want me to do? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like just, I was like, yo, I just want you to like pop your shit, press play. He did that, and he's like, how's that? I was like, it's perfect. <laughs> and it was done. I went to the studio and everything. Like. Yeah. um one of the cool things about that song as well is that it, it once again it leans into and this album feels more competitive. Your last album was competitive and you were lyrically really like, hmm, you know, you better take note. But on this one I feel like you've you've stepped it up again. And, you know, rap music in particular comes in all music to some degree if you're in popular music, but it comes with a very competitive edge. It was born out of competition. You know, my DJ's better than your DJ, and if you don't disagree, if you disagree, then my rhymes are gonna beat you. Or my dancers are gonna beat you, or my crew yeah. is gonna beat you. Um, how do you sort of relate to that competitive side of rap music? Because to take a seat at that table, I mean, even Drake, man, you know, he had to put out, if you're reading this, which was his real competitive statement of like, I'm going to put it out at three in the morning so when you wake up, it's already out. You can't even bitch about it. You can't even complain about it. It's out. Mm. You know, what is your relationship with the competitive side of rap music? It's heavy. Yeah. I feel like if I don't lean into that, it's going to become obsolete mm. because it's kind of gotten lost in... The vibe era. Everything's a vibe. You know what I'm saying? And when everything's a vibe, you just lose a little bit of that. And I love what, you know, hip-hop's grown into. I love how many different lanes there are. But that's why we take this so seriously is because I take notes from the round tables. Mm. That's really the answer I should have gave you for why that's what it is on there. Because I see people say, you know, I get a 2009 nostalgia when I hear your music. And it's because I'm influenced by that time. I think so many kids right now are like, what's right now feel like? But I draw from what I used to feel because yeah. I want that. I want that back a little bit. But of course, we need it modern. But that's that's what I came up on. And I think, the, I always talk about, you know, the artists from 10 years ago. You know, I, Drake had Kendrick and Cole to think about when he was in the studio. Yeah. Whether he was thinking about them or not, I don't know. Yeah. Kendrick had Cole and Drake to think about when he was in the studio. Guys that you're like, 
I gotta bring it because they're gonna bring it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They're just like a boxer. I better train. And so sometimes I think about for my generation, um, obviously tons of talent, but when it comes down to writing, who do I who am I supposed to be thinking about is who I gotta bring it. And there's some fair examples. There's people that people could say, well, what about him? What about him? I think there's some fair examples, but I think that culture just needs to be pushed more. I think I just wish there was more writers right now. I wish there was more people that were barring down. Mm. Yeah, it's it's really interesting hearing you pop on that song, and it really what it does is it is it sets the tone, and immediately you realize that this is going to be a very focused record, and it is start to finish like, I mean, surgically focused. I think the way you and your friends conjured it up and made it together is very very tasteful. Um, that requires, again, that sense of self-awareness, the ability to make the right choices in life. We, you've set the tone for this question. We know that you didn't have a problem, but how did your music change when you let go of the lifestyle that normally comes with success? I'm not talking about drink or drugs. I'm talking about distractions. Yeah. That could just be staying at home playing video games because you feel like you already made it. I'd like to think it got more focused. Definitely. I think... I wasn't realizing how nonchalant I sounded sometimes. <laughs> but that's just your style, isn't it? Well, that's my nature too. But yeah. sometimes I think I didn't realize maybe I was overcompensating or like sometimes I listen to my old stuff and I'm like, were you trying to be cool? Like, or were you too afraid to like be vulnerable? Because my old, old stuff was very vulnerable. Tone out, up here like this, projection. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And then when I got to Atlanta, I started to say, yo, don't you want to play this for a girl in the car? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You, I, I started to think. I wanted my tone of voice to be candy. Mm. And sometimes when I got up here in the nasal space, I didn't want to hear the song back. I, did, I just didn't want to hear it. Mm. And so I think I've just been finding that balance, and I really am happy with where I'm at is like projecting, but still in a place where I want to hear it back. But there was a point where I was so, one, there was distractions going on, but two... I just wasn't as aware that if you listen to Loose, like my 2018 music, when I first was signed and got to Atlanta, I was like, I can't handle conversation now. I was in my I was in my bag. I don't know if it's like just what was out at the time, but I just hadn't figured out that, hey, you're gonna have to perform this, and I don't want you to. I don't want to perform every song. The the track is really done here, and I'm performing the song up here, and it's not doing it justice. Yeah. So this album, I really found. That balance, man. Like yeah, and you and you pick the right people to do it. Are you a good judge of character? Yes. Yeah. I think I'm just present, like you are. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You can just feel people, like you just, you know what somebody's on. Yeah. What about trust? Does trust come easy to you? No. Hmm. No. Trust is difficult for me. It's not impossible for me, but I'm just a Mr. Card Keeper. I see it as if someone doesn't need the information, why should they have it? And that's across the board, even for people I trust. Mm. If they don't need the information, why should they have it? Like, I, I have people I know that, like, they're like, 19 people have the passcode to their phone. <laughs> or, like, she's like, your, their homegirl, like, knows their Instagram password. And it's not the end of the world, but I'm like, why? Yeah. Why? Yeah. <laughs> I see it as, like, no. But, you know, I want to protect myself. Ah, so you want to protect yourself. How, is that, how challenging is that for people around you whose job it is to protect you as well? I'm getting better every day. Um, because, you know, success needs a team in order to, to propel and make it... It doesn't yeah, need a big team. And nobody team. wants to f*** things up, too. Like, nobody wants to be the person that's, like, tighten up. Sometimes there's a moment of tighten up. Like, how, why would you do Why would you post that picture? This yeah, or that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But for the most part, there's an understanding. And the inner circle that's constantly around is sharp. So are you at the era of, like, I saw you playing the parties and stuff at Coachella Weekend and you handled, and I thought the way you described that last night was great. You were like, man, I was there to do a job. I did my job. I got my car split and that's, I take my job seriously, yeah. right? Are you getting near to the era of no, when no means more than yes? Yeah, I'm there. <laughs> There's a lot of no's going on. Yeah. There's just enough yeses that doesn't look like it. But <laughs> it's no season. It's no season. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? You know, every artist I've spoken to, if I'm lucky enough to continue speaking with them and the relationship continues through the success, gets to that era of no. Yeah. And I actually love it, you know, when people say, did you speak to them on that album? I'm like, nah, they're in the era of no. It's good. It's real. I can't tell how you feel about that, for real. Depends. 
if I like them or not. Yeah, I can't. I can't <laughs> tell where you're. Um, where you actually sit on that. It, it always comes down to personal for me. Like it just comes down to like whether or not I got a chance to see that person again on a personal level. You know, like I mean, if I get questions away in a conversation, I'm happy. If I get one in the can and I felt like it added value to the relationship between artist and fan, then I did my job. If I get twelve and I feel like I got more time with that person and I had more experiences, then I'm just happy. Yeah. Wow. Makes me happy. You're always gonna be able to call me. I was so excited for this. Yeah, I mean, me just, too. Just chopping it up with you. You're one of the few, like one of the few that cares, or at least shows they care. Maybe everyone else is hiding it. I don't know, but you care. Thanks, it's man. obvious. Well, yeah. I appreciate People that, People should be excited to talk to you. I think they are. I know I am. <laughs> I'm having a good, a good time, man. I appreciate that. Is it true you pulled the masters from the label and said no one's getting these, 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 these masters in their hand anymore? Well, I didn't have to pull them. They never had them. <laughs> See, it's just like, it's just, yeah, it's, no not a, it's not a disrespect thing. It's just like, no one cares as much as me. And I'm not saying all y'all don't care. I'm saying you'll never care as much as me. So I got to protect the music. And that doesn't, it's not just a label thing. That's just, that's just what made it through the grapevine, I guess. Like, people that are working on this music don't have it. The people that, you know what I'm saying? We're not, because it's just too... We, we're putting too much time, love, and soul into it. Like, yeah. you can't play with it. And it's heartbreaking when it's not right. Yeah, because then it's, it's done. It's done and it's done when it's done, it's done. One of those songs that grabbed my attention, though, and I, I got really excited was um, Little Secret. I didn't recognize the sample. I, I don't, I, I, I don't, I haven't listened to every song Tweet's ever put out, yeah. but you flipped that beautifully. And um, I want to hear a story about that because that one just has that effortless, timeless feel about it. That's one of the few beats that got sent to me done. We made some adjustments, but I heard that beat and I was like... Yeah, how could you not? You gotta break your own rule on that. Yeah, it was early in the album process too. I've had it for a little while. I always like take note of what are the variables that lead to great songs, as in who's in the room? Did I let people in the room? What city was I in? Where were we? And this is one of those rare ones that ended up amazing, where it was me and my engineer, Nikki in a room by ourselves. Mm. I used to always want to be alone until I realized having an audience made my raps crazy because I had somebody to impress. Mm, how, and, yeah, but hold up. How do you know when enough is enough in that situation? Because you have too much of an audience in the studio. Studios are a social environment everybody wants to go into. Yeah, I mean, you know. Yeah. But yeah, you just know. You're like, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, and I'm, I've gotten good at removing people from the studio. Not yeah. physically, just verbally. Like. Yeah. Are you direct or do you have techniques? Uh, I, have, I have techniques, but I have direct too. I Everybody have, I get have, the f*** out. Yeah, that ain't that ain't my style. <laughs> no, no. Doesn't go. It's not. It doesn't go well with my brand. That's what I want to say though. <laughs> but yeah, that was one of those ones where I pinned that, and those feel so good because you feel like, oh, I can be by myself, by myself, and just make what I want to make. Speak from the heart, like, because that's how I started in my bedroom, alone, just pinning stuff, and to still be able to make like potent. Shit that way it feels really validating because you're like oh i'm just a writer deep down so i wrote that with just my engineer in the room with the beat looping for a couple hours and i laid it and um it was crazy i'm just a writer deep down i'm just that kid in the bedroom is just like writing raps man it starts that way for everybody you got to dream it up before it becomes a reality and then then it's just a process of adapting mm. right it's just yeah. a, it's just adapt after that like adapt like do you like the environment you're in do you like this? What success tastes like? How do you hold on to it and move in a world that with a lot of eyeballs and a lot of attention and a lot of pitfalls yeah. and all that sort of stuff? Has that has it gotten to the point now where you have to be super self-conscious and careful about the way you move? I have yes, a hundred percent, and it's made me more self-conscious in general. I've become more vain since I got into this. Like I used to not care how I dressed or looked. Like how I dressed in high school, like was shameless, bro. Like, <laughs> But I always had soul. I, I think I'm lucky that like I figured out how I wanted to look later because I like spent so many years on who I was as a human being. Yeah. That like then I just started dressing that person up. But yeah. But I want to get back to the self-conscious statement because that's the one that's really. I mean, the vanity thing comes with everybody. Look, bro. If I you take me back ten, look. If anybody ever took the time, and this would be an incredibly slow day in life's journey, but if you ever Google me and go back 10, 20 years, I wore the oh, same I outfit. I did that recently. I, dude, I was fatter. I wore the same outfit Bro. for 10 years straight. You know the deal. Same Bro, day. you're on top. Same day. You're on top. So, so, but the self-conscious thing is interesting to me because that's no... So what were you... But when you say self-conscious, what are you asking me about? When you said before, yeah, I'm more self-conscious... Because success and attention breeds that sense 
of self, it goes from self-aware to self-conscious because you're afraid that if I make yeah. the wrong move, what this, what yeah, that. Yeah, I, I also, yeah. That's not fun. That's gotta be, that's the part when it stops being fun. Well, that's why you see, um, people see all the big artists, they stop tweeting. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, <laughs> yeah. the stakes are too high. Yeah. They're feeding too many people they grew up with. Yeah. And like, I can feel that for me a little bit. It's it's, I'm just like, we're funding the dreams of so many people. Like, this is a team effort. Like, this isn't just me. This is Kentucky. Yeah, like, yeah. There's so many people that are like coming along um, and contributing to this that like, playing games on the internet or, or just expressing myself just because they want me to express myself and being yeah, yeah, connected, yeah. like, the stakes are too high. Now, yeah. I haven't done that, but I, I haven't stopped. But I see why they stopped because it's like, oh, you think you're about to take down this empire I built off a tweet? Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm going to do? Not yeah. tweet. You're not yeah, playing yeah, with me. So, yeah. Um, yeah, you start to get to a point where you're just like, oh, thanks. That leads to a song like um, Churchill Downs. Mm, does it? It wow. does. Well, because... I feel like that your performance in that song is a realization of what you have in your hands. Hands down, like you gave yourself two verses and Drake took two and made one. Mm. <laughs> and it's, it's that moment, I think, when you realize like, I shouldn't have f***ed this up. Like, I really got it now in my hands. Yeah. Yeah, that verse gives me chills thinking about it. To me, that verse is gonna be something I like hold with me for a while. Is like how I want to write because it's just there's just something poignant about it. Okay, so let's go back. The move to Atlanta. What was the goal? Just get signed, like get famous, get big, make my music work, yeah. like any means necessary. Shake any hand, like take any opportunity. Say yes. Say yes. No season was far away. Mm, 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 mm. So when you meet the Generation Now team, drama, canon, shrewd people, great ears, yeah. some of the best ears in the business on any level, yeah. genre, how real did it feel to you? And how much did you feel you had to prove your place? Man, I felt it a lot. And it was also, I was coming into a label where like, there was somebody that was red hot at the time. You know what I'm saying? That was just on fire and we're definitely two different type of artists, so it didn't feel like I could slide right next to them. Like, yeah. here's another the same. It felt like I'm gonna have to figure this out. But there's always been weight. There's still weight to it. Like, no matter where I'm at, like, I still, those three guys are just still like, I wanna impress them. I wanna get back to Atlanta and play them a verse that makes them be like, I still want that badly. And when we fight, we fight about the music, we debate, not fight, fight, but we debate, we go back and forth, this is, no, this is dope, no, this is, this is what you need to say, just pushing each other. I realize, like, it's just me wanting them to be like, you're perfect, you know what I'm saying, you're great, like, just like how you want approval from your parents. Yes, that validation, it's so crazy. Like, I was talking to an artist about this the other day, and that sense of validation, that confidence that comes with it, it's such an important feel, but it's also intoxicating, and it can lead you to a place where it actually does the opposite. And, it, and it, 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 the validation you get yeah, from I gotta that work isn't real. That. I gotta work on that for sure. Yeah. Because they said, you know, live by the cheers, die by the booze. Like, I've even seen Robert De Niro talk about just staying cool through the ups, through the downs, just play it cool. Because when, when I do take downturns, when things do, it hits me. I'm like, mm. And the world's gonna turn on me soon. Ah, uh, that's what I was gonna ask you. The world, the, I mean, people are, you know, Jack Harlow is like the likable guy, you know, everybody like, but there's gonna come a time when they turn on me. Like, I don't know what it's gonna be. I don't know why I'm not, I'm not trying to manifest it either, but I'm just saying like, inevitably that's what happens. I see sparks of it, just like any big artist sees, but all the people that are championing me are gonna turn on me and I have a good feeling that they're gonna turn back around. I'm starting to realize my, um, that humility is just more important than ever right now. Like just keeping a hold of that because it's like, it's a long way down if you get with the hype. Well, this friendship that you've developed, and I, I'm not bringing his name in because he's one of the biggest superstars on the planet because I, I think it, it's probably a real help to you getting to know an artist like Drake because he is, and he won't mind me saying this, I'm sure, I and mean, it's pretty common knowledge, he's an outlier. He's someone who made his way inside the room from another room altogether. And it was hard for him to barge his way in there, I think. From our conversation, at least, he definitely had his challenges. 
Is this something that you've been able to, and I know you like to keep your relationship to yourselves, and you should, it's friendship. But is that something that you guys discussed, that idea of validation that turns to, that turns on you, that idea of success turning on you? Maybe in like small moments is covered. You know, we haven't had the big conversation, you know, what that means, but we've had our talks and, but more than anything, like I just like take notes of, from him on his actions. Like he he's leaving a blueprint behind, you know what I'm saying? The same way Jay yeah. left a blueprint, the same way Ye left a blueprint. Like he's creating a blueprint yeah. that you don't have to, um, it doesn't, it's not rocket science to follow. You can just see, okay, these are some great decisions. Like you just see it. And so I just, um, I pull from the playbook all the legends where it resonates with me. I mean, Ye is a huge one for me. It just resonates with me massively. I see what he did. But I think it all just comes from um, just being the route of just not being a street artist in because it's just something so traditionally street about this genre. And if you're not street, um, I'm not the first artist to come through that isn't that. And so inevitably, I'm going to take notes. You know, any any comparisons I see, I'm like, it's inevitable. Like, we're... There's a cloth, you know what I'm saying? It just is what comes with it. There's a moment in, in Churchill Downs where I feel that Drake is using that opportunity, his verse, to respond to some ongoing issues that he's been having with, with another artist, and at least that's the way the internet reads it. Um, and I wonder sort of when you have someone come on your song and use that space, freedom of expression, mm. to address things that are personal to them, but it's a Jack Harlow song, how you process that? How do you process the, the freedom they have to say what they want to say and the bars that they have? You can't yeah. turn around and say, dude, don't use that space to say what you want to say. But equally, it's, it's, it's a collab. I was just really just so blown away by his verse, like just as a whole, yeah. that that's kind of what I was processing. And as time went by, like, I just kind of, his writing is his writing. Yeah. I address things on my verse that I don't expect him to you know, have to answer for. Yeah. And it just is what it is. Like, I mean, I guess the simple answer to your question is like, it's just what comes with it. Like, people are venting, they're getting things off their chest. Like, he was getting something off of his chest. And um, I don't even think it's for me to like shed light on or clarify. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, not that that's what you're asking me to do, but like, I think that needs to exist. I don't think I've experienced the same thing, but to answer your question, I feel like inevitably. Yes. And yeah. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know who it's going to be. I'm just saying that. And you got bars ready. Like you have not, you, you will do what you want to do in order to respond. Yeah, but I mean, it comes back to I'm competitive. Yes. You know what I'm saying? To me, it's like, you don't want to see them in the playoffs? If we had to meet in the playoffs, we had to meet in the playoffs. So we've mentioned Snoop and we've mentioned Drake. And then on Poison, there's Ty Dolla Sign. <laughs> <laughs> Which is an in-joke. Is it in-joke? Because this, this guy comes in and sings the chorus, and I, and I said to you yesterday, is that Ty Dolla Sign, your, your boys, which is like barreling over laughing behind me. But um, We love Ty, by the way. Ty's got one of the greatest voices in the world, but man, you just you have a tone, a low tone, which like just the way you sang that was great. I mean, I don't know if anyone knew you could sing like that. Yeah, I appreciate it. You know, I think that um, that moment is something that has held that song really strong and it's place on the album because it's like you said sometimes there's just a lot of value in doing something that people are like yeah who is that you know yeah i didn't know that was so that's one of those yeah people haven't heard me in that way so i'm excited for the world to be like oh there's that too so let's talk about little wayne we got to talk about little wayne because that's, that's yeah i mean as of right now from what i've heard and this is other songs going on the record that i haven't heard that's the triumvirate right there that's you know you got snoop you got drake and you got wayne so, uh, when did you first meet Wayne? How'd that happen? First time I met Wayne was on the set of the Was Poppin' Remix. Mm. Uh, Ultimate Love. He, then he interviewed me on his radio show. Yep, on Apple Music. And then one time I, um, I was at a Clippers game, and he was on the floor, and I was like a few rows back. And I went up and tapped him on the shoulder, and his security almost kicked my ass. <laughs> yeah, don't do that on the floor. Yeah. Um, he turned around, and, was, and I didn't have his number, so I was like, let me get your number. And I sat up. And like for the next quarter of that game, we were texting back and forth about rap, like yeah. paragraphs, like me picking his brain, like, you know, like why do you love it so much? You know what I'm saying? Like, how do you just prolifically just create, create? Like, what do you love about 
doing verse after verse after verse because that's what he does. He just yeah. records. Yeah. He's a machine. Yeah. And I'm envious of those machine-like qualities because it's like I, I love it too, but I'm not a machine. Well, I don't, you're fastidious about the about the process, right? Yeah, of course. There's differences, and those are things I have to come to terms with. Like, can't be everyone. You have to, you know. There's there's things that make you who you are that make up for this. Mm-mm. It's actually a strength. So, I'm at peace with it, but I am. I still look, mm. and I'm like, wow, it's just so impressive. He just has a faucet that he yeah. just turns on. So he's just G O A T, man. Yeah, for, seriously. I mean, one of the most influential musical artists of our generation of our life. You know, hands down, changed everything. Not just rap, pop, music, R&B, the whole thing. I mean, I was talking to Nicki Minaj about this in our conversation about that young money, cash money thing and how it's one of those few collectives. He just nonchalantly just mm. brought in a couple. What an era. Hall of Famers. Yeah, I know. He's the man. Yeah, for real. He's the man. Yeah. He knocked that out for me like that. So what's up with the um, what's up with the design side of things? What's up with that? Like, do you have in- other interests outside? I know you do, because you're about to act, but... You seem you seem to be aesthetically defi- like influenced. Somebody who likes tactility, design stuff, fashion yeah, like, stuff. I like it as much as like it's like I like it, just up to a point. Mm. I just like I know it's necessary, and I know what I'm attracted to. But I don't have um, I'm not I'm not material, and I know that's not the only place that design exists. But like. I don't have a passion for fashion. I'm one of those people that, like, I want to get in my uniform bag, and I'm slowly finding things that I just am cool with rocking all the time, especially when you just are red carpeting, shooting, this and that. When I'm not doing that, just sweatsuit me, bro. Like, so yeah. I, I don't know. But Anything's you, possible because it's like my interests continue to grow. So who knows? Yeah, but then you put a song out like Blade of Grass, and it, it, it requires an aesthetic dedication you know it's like tell me more well you know you've got the song which is is and this is kind of in keeping i think the aside from the theme of, of wanting to go home and bring it home you know that you have a lot of female fans and a lot of fans are attracted to your music um because it makes them feel good yeah it makes them feel they look good it makes them feel good about themselves do you know what i mean um does that come does that come naturally to you? I mean, I'm kind of referring to that kid who sort of grew into this. Yeah. You know what's crazy though? That was always in here. Mm. In fact, it was always coming out of my mouth too. Um, because to me, that is not a visual. That's not, you know, how I look. I don't think you think that either, but like mm. I since I was in third grade, I was nudging the girl next to me, like, what's going on? You know what I'm saying? I just wanted to chop it up. So I don't know if there's anything, any writing in my music that comes more natural than that because I just, uh, I have just a love and appreciation for women. Um, and that song is just a great example of that. And I, I love that verse. The opening verse to me is like, even on my last album, Funny Seeing You Here, mm-hmm. like I just, these records where I'm just speaking directly, like conversation directly. The reason I love them is because just to circle back, my grandkids are gonna be able to hear those songs and know exactly how their grandpa spoke to women. Mm. Like, just exactly, because there's no filter of like, all right, now let me add some rap. Mm-mm. That's why I love those records so much, because it's like, it just happens to rhyme. Those are, that's how I write is exactly how I feel. And sometimes the first lines get written in my notes, because it's like, what you say to a woman is just like a reaction. It's not an action, it's just a reaction to whether it was something she said or her beauty. And so like, all those lines are just me like, I look over and saw her, and that's what fell out of my mouth. But that's the realest shit. Yeah. And so to me, that's what Like a Blade of Grass is. Is like, even the first line, Like a Blade of Grass, One Sunlight, I Just Want That Ass. It's like, don't, like, whatever you want to do is what you want to do, but don't crucify me for being a mammal. <laughs> like, it's just, I can't control it. I'm an organism, you know what I'm saying? This is just how I feel. It's up to you, but this is how I feel. Mm. Um, you can't even get gas without being harassed. Like, it's just, I don't know, I love that song. I love that song. There's something that kind of keeps flowing through 
your journey, which is a very, it started out with some literature that was kind of derided at first, this idea of, of if you think it, it will happen, if you manifest it, it will become a reality. It was really to me kind of the beginning of mindfulness in a strange way, but it was just packaged in a way that people just thought like, oh, it's not that easy. Yeah, of course it's not that easy, it's called practice. But I firmly believe it to be true. Um, I, I, I 100% teach it in our house, you know, like put your mind to it. Put your body and your physicality into it. Work for it. Wow, you just got my gears turning. You know? Just with the derided thing, like, it's just funny. Isn't it, man? When it first came out, it was like, oh, so you want me just to imagine a Ferrari and it shows up? No, that's not what it's saying. What it's saying is, is if you can actually draw something to you by putting the positive energy out there, then every, like everything is manifested. Everything is just atoms and exists and bounces around off each other. Why can't you go in there and, and, bring, and bring positive energy yeah. to yourself? You seem to get that. That's my whole life, it feels like. When you know what you're reaching for or you see yourself a certain way, what happens is the subconscious of all your actions and all the decisions you make just start to align with that yeah. and then it becomes your reality. Yeah, that's right. And that, so, you know, people know that, but it's just like, that's what I slowly start to realize is like, oh, like I'm trying to be one of them guys, like them guys, and I'm slowly in the process of if you regard yourself that way first, I've seen the world start to regard me how I regarded myself first in so many different ways, just different stages. I thought I was that. They didn't think so. By the time I'm on to thinking I was the, the step above that, they're like, oh, I see him as what he's, you know? They just start to believe you. Now we're in, now we're in the era, I believe him. I'm, I believe him. And I'm, I'm gonna tell y'all where I'm taking it next. It's, I control the narrative. And that's why I don't trip for real, because these people are finicky. And some people are just meant to enjoy it from the audience. Me, I'm on stage right now, and I'm going to tell you where this play is going next. Like, this is where the show is going. And you might have a uh, reaction to it first, but it ain't going to change the show. Well, as long as you don't stop and turn around. Yeah. That's the thing you can't afford to do, right? Yeah. It's stop and turn around and see how people are responding to you. It's like, just keep going. There's kids listening. There's people that, you know, want to be something. And it's like, you control the narrative. Like... They don't control the narrative. They don't tell you what to be. I mean, it's all that, all that good shit that was in the genius documentary. You don't tell him what he is. Like, he knew his bars were like that. I know I'm that. I know there's not many people that can write like me. And there's going to be people that take this clip and there will be a bunch of quotes. like, bruh, he's tripping. You know what I'm saying? But I know, I know what I can provide. I know what I'm doing. And I know there's not a lot of other people that can do it. And so... Slowly but surely, you will know too. They will know too. But I know first. You have to know first. I know for a fact I can't be f I know it. And that's why soon enough everyone else will too. The album, man, State Fair. Is that going to be the final cut? Yeah, the outro. It has to be, right? Yeah. Yeah, man, you, it's interesting. You start it in a really fascinating way. You, you, you flip fame on its head really, really early on. Normally comes like when you're really bored of it. Straight away you're like, and again, I only heard it last night, but something along the lines of, you know, you, you put in words that you don't like a camera being in your face. This yeah, my pet peeve is the camera in my face. Have you ever heard of personal space? I walk around town in a hoodie and some shades, but now they're starting to recognize the shades. That's <laughs> so funny. I laugh when you said that. It's just... <laughs> Even if you hate me, you would trade. You would live this life too, because I got it made. I like my bed made, soon enough I'll have a maid. When I buy a house, every surface gonna be suede. But for now, I got a concierge downstairs. All my neighbors are gray-haired. They don't recognize me, and I don't think they care, but my postmates can't believe that I stay here. Mm -hmm. like, it's just like, that's, that's what it's been like for me since, since really like what's popping. Like since early 2020, like that's what the experience was. Mm -hmm. It's like kind of that rise where it's like, hold on, is that you? You know what I'm saying? It's just interesting documenting these different pockets of the ascension. So could you, if it got really intense, if this album does what it should do by rights, how do you make peace with that pet peeve? How do you make peace? And that's just an analogy for what we're talking about, which is this idea that your privacy is no longer your own. What are your options? You know, mild agoraphobia, you know, hide behind your team and move and move as one, you know? Um, how do you, how do you kind of go, how do you still be the guy that, going back to the original, the beginning of this conversation, is this? But I'm not gonna let it drive me insane. That's one thing I've set out to make sure of, you know? And my team isn't gonna let it drive me insane. And I don't, 
I don't think we're nearing that territory. I have my moments where I'm like, oh, but they're not gonna get me because I'm just I'm keeping tabs on it. It's not gonna my sanity isn't gonna slip away. Like it's not just gonna happen. And whatever that takes to make that be the case, I think we'll know when it's time that I need to go to Kentucky and I'm living in Kentucky now. But when it's time for me to truly catch you the bar. I, I have a feeling, and I could be wrong, mm. but I just have a feeling you're a generous person. Mm. I'd say it's accurate. I'd like to think. You know, what's an example of generosity for you? Like, when do you feel like you really did something that helped somebody or was a gift for somebody, but ultimately you kind of did it for yourself because it just fulfills, you know, it fulfills Which you. one is it? <laughs> it can be both. You have me in the first half. <laughs> it can be both. It can be both. Uh, you know, it, it always is, it seems. There's a lot of ways to show appreciation, but... I think like my biggest concern right now is like getting everyone I care about secure. And sadly it's just it's very like financial. Like to me, like just It is. Taking the weight off people I care about's shoulders feels really good in the most simplistic way. You know, you can get gifts that are customized to people that show, hey, I know you. Don't forget I know you, but making sure somebody's rent is okay for that month. Yeah. Or for the next six months or something like that's just, you can just liberate people. You know what I'm saying? That, that's what I, that, I get so caught up in the stresses of how I want this to go and this and that. And sometimes I have to remind myself, like, I'm so liberated. I'm so blessed. It's unbelievable what I do for a living. And the best part of having money is not thinking about money. Yeah. It's not about the cars. It's not about, um, it's not about the jewelry. It's not about the flex. It's about the security. It's about being able to say, mm. well, I don't have to stress about that. Because mm. that is weighing so many people down. Mm. And um, yeah, just any time I can gift that to people I care about, like it's just, to me, there's, there's a few things better, but I'm sure I'll keep discovering new ones. So you're ready to undertake this role in this iconic film? Look, I, I get as frustrated with everybody else who is just remake, doing remake after remake. My wife said something to me about a month ago. She was like, is anyone writing anything original anymore? Because <laughs> it's just like, this is a remake of this. The dad's one, I'm going to go to the film, to the cinemas and see is White Men Can't Jump. Because, yeah. I mean, that film is like, it's one of the iconic buddy picks of all time. Yeah. And by the way, I'm not even just talking about the two male characters. The real superstar of that film is Rosie Perez. And so, you know, stepping onto, into a role like that is going to be another jump up again because you're in Hollywood now. I mean, has that, has that settled down? I mean, I don't know. I'm sure you prepared for the role, for that audition. But is the difference between auditioning and getting it? You know, I did the work to get it. You did acting lessons? No, I just I put I put the time in with the script. I yeah. sat with it. I considered things like I was I tried to be egoless during the audition, take take notes, you know, do what I had to do, and it it, it came. Because it's a goofy character. Well, it's initially a goofy character. Yeah, and you know, this isn't an identical movie to that one. So right, there's 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 going to be things that freshen it, yeah. um, that make it its own thing. But I just wanted. I just want to kill it. Like that, that, I just wanted to be good, and I want to do everything I can to make it good. You know, there was an initial excitement about announcing it, and just the buzz that comes with. Look, I'm in a movie. Everybody's like, "Wow, it's crazy!" But after that dust settles, oh, it's work. It's time to it's time to make it good. Yeah, because it's either just gonna be there was an announcement you were in a movie and yeah. nothing else. Yeah, or it, you get that, and it's like, "Wow!" And you brought it. You brought it. And so I'm looking at. I'm starting to look at it how I look at the music, and it's my first one. So. Um, I care a lot about it. There's a line in State Fair where you talk about respect and power. And you say, I want power. And it really caught me off guard because, and this conversation to me has kind of proven it, you're actually a pretty holistic dude. Like you're searching for lots of value in areas that aren't attached to metrics of success and all that sort yeah. of stuff. So to come out at the end of this journey, which talks about going home and respect and family and grandparents and lessons learned and, yeah. and worshiping at the altar of the greats and learning from them, to come out and say, I want power, it's a real reveal. Yeah, it's sick, right? It's, it's like, I think that's the best shit because I'm not perfect. And if you get to, if you're rapping on a perfect beat and you're saying all the soulful, wholesome things for too long, you're not saying nothing. Sometimes I gotta let people know, like, I'm fucked up too. 
Like, I'm fucked. Like, I want power. Like, every man for the last 10 million years has wanted power. Just, you know what I'm saying? And that comes with this. And it's something to be thoughtful of and consider, but it's just the truth. It's just, that's what fell out of my mouth. And to me, I just want, like, that excited me because that beat is so beautiful. I'm saying, I'm talking about my family. Um, I, I'm a hero in the song, you know what I'm saying? I'm the protagonist. I'm saying the right things. But I want to make sure I'm saying the truthful things. I don't want to be the protagonist. I want to just tell the truth. And to me, that's just the truth. It, I'm not saying I'm right or I'm wrong. It's like Jason. It's just my thoughts, man. It's just how I was feeling at the time. And if you want to come down on me, like, uh, that's fine. But at least you got the truth from me. And so I, I just am always, how can I tell the truth? How can I... I like highlighting my flaws because it feels like... Ah, I was going to ask you, is it a flaw? Is wanting power ultimately, you think, a flaw? Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. Of course. But I still want it. <laughs> and that's the essence of all this. That's even the Like a Blade of Grass line. Yeah. Is like... Like a Blade of Grass, one sunlight. I just want that ass. Like, the grass can't control it. It needs to photosynthesize. I can't control it. I want to reproduce. I can control my actions, but I can't control my desires. I can't control who I am, what's in my nature. You build discipline, you try to make yourself better. This is just who I am. And so it's fun to project that, is say, this is me. Take it or leave it. Like, this is just what I, I want power. I want some power. Who doesn't want some power? What would you do with it? I'm doing with it right now. <laughs> just, watch my, just watch my IG. <laughs> not joking. <laughs> Kind of end like that. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. We can't end like it. We can end on a, the laugh is timeless though. Um, I'm saying like I'm not like. There's just so many levels of power. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not saying I want to be emperor of the world, but I love the leverage that comes with this job. To you know, you talked about how it's grueling, this and that. Like part of the benefits of success is like making it less grueling. Things going how I want them to go. Rooms being how I want them to be. You know what I'm saying? I'm living this life, I chose to be a boss. I chose to be in charge of my career so I can curate my life. I don't want my life curated. I want to curate. I want to be the curator. And not everybody's blessed enough to get that chance, so I want that. Being a curator is power, and I'm curating my life. I'm pulling the strings. You know what I'm saying? I want to pull the strings. I don't want nobody pulling them for me. And that's all it is. I just want to be in charge. Myself and Jack Harlow in conversation. You can watch that on YouTube or Apple Music and check out the album Come Home, The Kids Miss You, streaming in full right now on Apple Music. Thanks for checking out the interview series. Appreciate it. <laughs>